Good morning. Really glad you're here today. I've been, uh, this is the first time I've spoken here in four weeks, so hey, I hope you're glad I'm back. <laughs> Just realized, whoa, maybe not everybody's that excited about this, but uh, we, I, I was given some time off to speak other places, so spoke at a men's retreat for a church we launched in Riverside several years ago, and then went had to suffer and go to Glen Erie in Colorado Springs, which is a beautiful place, but I spoke five times there at a at a conference with three hundred and fifty college students so that was was interesting mix of a lot of work and refreshment so it it, it was good to be there but I'm really glad to be back with you all. We've been walking through a very practical, straightforward book in the New Testament written by James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. And we've covered several challenging subjects so far. I'm going to review those quickly and then walk us through the next three weeks of this series. But week one, we looked at how God uses trouble to train us. He uses it to develop our character, to change us. And we also look in week one at a strategy we can use to overcome temptation when we face it. Week two, we highlighted the importance of obeying God's word. The blessing isn't just in hearing the word of God, the Bible, but it's in doing it. That's where you find out God's real. That's where he comes alive to you. And and there's blessing as you Set your heart to obey what God says to do. And then last week, we covered how faith becomes real when, when you do what God says in the middle of pressure. So we've been looking at these things. Today, we're going to focus on speech and how we can use our words for good under pressure instead of slicing up the people around us, which is so easy to fall into. There's a huge pressure point in our lives that comes just either is diminished or increased by the words we use under the pressure that we face. And there's really not a day that goes by without our words leaving a mark on the people around us. There's a tremendous power In our words, you see this in Scripture, it's undeniable. And our speech, our words, can land either heavy or provide a lift. And so we're going to look at the help God has given us in the Word today uh, through James this morning. I'd like to first start out with a classic scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, It's been a while since I've shown it, but it's such a great picture of the power of words. Uh, on on one another by happenstance two guys dale and neil they're traveling together and at this point in their travels in the clip we're going to see they've been wearing on each other's nerves and so this is what happened watch dale's face who's played by john candy as neil played by steve martin lights into him Well, go ahead. Sleep in the lobby. See if I care. I hope you wake up so stiff you can't even move. You're no saint. You got a free cab. You got a free room. 
and someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. Honey, I'd, li I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, and here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. I, I, I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. And I'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. You know what they'd say? They'd say, I know what you mean. Shower curtain ring guy. Whoa. It's, it's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll. I expect you to have a little string on your chest, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back. Except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. Ah, 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 ah. And by the way, you know, when you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. That's really hard to watch. Uh, this kind of tirade can have lasting impact on us. Caustic words create a stifling atmosphere. And it's miserable to grow up in a home with this atmosphere. Working in this kind of place is drudgery. Most likely, we've all been on the giving or receiving end of that kind of caustic exchange, and we know the damage that can be done. That's why it's hard to watch. In fact, our words either blow up or diffuse life's pressure points. The words we use either blow it up or diffuse the bomb that's likely to go off. When you're dealing with a difficult person or circumstance, it's very easy to get focused on yourself and your needs. And this leads to saying things without consideration, without thinking about the people we're talking to and their needs. And this is a mistake. It's like lighting a fuse to a bomb. It's only a matter of time until it blows. There's a stream of thought in our world that says it's unhealthy to hold stuff in and we need to vent our emotions uh, or we'll get messed up psychologically. I was a behavioral science major in college, so I bought into this for a while. Um, the Bible has something else to say, though. It says in Proverbs 29:11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. But a wise man quietly holds it back, quietly <laughs> holds it back. Our mouth is the vehicle through which we vent. In pressure-packed circumstances, our words have tremendous power to bless or curse our relationships and stewardships. 
We, we have the freedom to blow up on the people around us. But the question is, how will it help us grow in our relationships? And how will it help us accomplish the good with the responsibilities God has given us? The wise focus on the best response that will help our relationships flourish and our responsibilities thrive. This, this is what we need to focus on. Have you ever seen the movie The Hurt Locker? That was a tense movie. It's, it's about uh, the guys, the soldiers who defuse bombs in uh, war, war-torn areas. And defusing a bomb is a really long, drawn-out process. And it should be. You, don't, you, you go and you are very careful with the way you approach diffusing the bombs and the wires attached. And one wrong move and your life is over, as well as those who are nearby. Here's a picture uh, of the suit they wear. You can see it on the, the Hurt Locker poster. But um, here's a picture of the suit that they wear. And... They, they take the time to put this on. They walk slowly toward the bomb or they walk toward the bomb. Those scenes in this movie are very intense. And it's not unlike the, the tension that comes when we're under pressure and we have to decide how we're going to approach the words we use. It's a lot, it's a lot like this. It would be great to wear one of these suits, wouldn't it, in a pressure-packed situation when, <laughs> when it's about to blow? <laughs> Okay, maybe not. It'd be a little hot, but we need a way to deal with our emotions that allows us to use our words to bless others under pressure and to benefit them. The main guide in Scripture, and I don't have it in our talk this morning, but Ephesians 4.29, the main guide is uh, use your words to benefit, to build up, not tear down. That, that's the main guide that we have. We're, we're to use our words to diffuse rather than incinerate, rather than blow things up. This is where faith comes in. In the pressure-packed moment, we have a choice. We can either turn to God and ask him for help, or we continue to do things our way, and we trust him. If we turn to God and vent to him, if we learn to do this, this takes practice. It's not, our, it's not my native instinct in a pressure-packed situation to turn to God. But if we do, he gives the help to, to use words that bring calm. <clears throat> Many of the Psalms are a record of... King David spewing his emotions to God in a prayer. And they're, they're written there so that we can learn to do the same thing. God knows what we're thinking. Sometimes we're afraid to let God in on, you know, just to say things to God that we're thinking because we're not quite sure what he's going to do with that. He's already, he already knows. He knows what's going on. So, he gives us the freedom to pour out our hearts to him. Um, under pressure and uncertainty of the outcome, we can pray. Father, 
I don't appreciate what they just did. And I, I want to slug them right now. But would you help me calm down and say what is going to benefit? Say what will honor you and help the person I'm talking to. Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you right now in this moment. I'm going to trust you with this. Help me to say what will calm things, not blow them up. We can turn to God. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you do let them have it and, and say the wrong thing, it's important to clear things up. Clear the relationship up. If you mess up, clear it up. Straighten it out. Um, I, I've done this. I, I've done this often. And it, it ends up being a deterrent. I don't like eating rotten words <laughs> myself. And when I have to do that, it reminds me, hey, back up, unwind next time before you let it fly and stop. Ask God for help to say the right things. In Scripture, God tells us, to control our mouth and be careful to say what is helpful and builds up. And this is a matter of wisdom. In matters of wisdom, you pay a price when you choose folly. The Old Testament uh, has in it some wisdom books. Job, Psalm, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. These are either labeled books of poetry or wisdom books and they're packed with wisdom and so we've looked at a couple passages related to words in those books so far but in matters of wisdom you you pay a price when you choose folly when you choose foolishness and so do those around you scripture tells us under pressure here's here's one rule that you find in scripture use fewer words don't say as much. Ecclesiastes 6.11 says, The more the words, the less the meaning, and how does that profit anyone? I memorized that verse when I was trying to close my mouth at my daughter's soccer games. I'm a very competitive person. I love my, my daughter. That's a bad combination. <laughs> you know, because... You know, if you don't, if you think she's getting an unfair shake on the field, you're likely to say something. Well, okay, I am. You're not, but I am. And so I memorized that verse. It's been helpful to remember the more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? It's not helping anybody for me to sit there and let the referee know what I think about the call they just made. It's, it's futile, it's useless. Proverbs 17:28 says, "Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent." I try to remember that one as well. <laughs> this fool in this verse is a person who has an adversarial approach to life. And they actually have a pattern of using upset to get their way. Even this fool is considered wise if they use fewer words, if they remain silent. It is far better to zip your lip than to let things fly under pressure. With that backdrop, let's turn to see what James says about our words and about the tongue. 
James 3, 2 through 5, the first part of 5. It says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. There are none of those. Uh, Able to also bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. James says nobody has a perfect track record with his tongue. None of us. But it's important to work on reining it in because our words are like train tracks that set the direction of our lives. It's interesting how this works. So controlling our tongue is the key to controlling ourselves. That's what he's saying there in that passage. James points out that a small bit in a horse's mouth allows a rider to direct it. Much stronger horse than the person riding it. A very small rudder on a giant ship is how it turns one direction or the other. Very small part. This is how our tongue is. Thinking about something is different than saying it. We're we're much more committed to do what we say out loud. That's what James is saying here. And so we need to guard our tongue. I was in a theater one time. I was with some friends. It's kind of a double date kind of thing. And there was this group back here. I can I can remember the scene. There was this we were sitting over here. Okay, the theater, you know, screens up here. We're sitting over here. Back over here, there's this group of people talking. And you know, you're just sitting there thinking, well, my friend stood up and told them to be quiet. That's very different than thinking. And, you know, I wish they'd be quiet because he just committed our resources to finish what was just started. <laughs> and it was dark. I couldn't see what they, <laughs> how big they were. Thinking something and saying it are two different things. Whenever you say something, you're committed, you're, it's like a train track. You've just set the direction for your life. You're heading down that way. Uh, when we're frustrated with someone uh, or what they're doing, and we say something about it to get them to stop, we've, we've just committed to finish what we started. So we want to be careful with that. It's better to choose our words very carefully, like diffusing a bomb. For instance, to think about quitting work and sharing your thoughts with your boss, very different things. <laughs> you, could, you could think about quitting several times a day, but once you mention it to your boss, you, it could be over. You just executed the, your, your job. <laughs> you shot it in the foot. This is why it's important to keep our mind on a leash. When we say things, we're committing to a direction. We don't always think, think this way. We don't really think this way, do we? we? We don't realize that when we speak, we're committing our energy to that. Second thing James points out is that careless words ignite serious trouble in our lives. 
James 3, 5, the last part of 5 and through 8 says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. This, this is how it is. So, several years ago, someone very close to me lost his job because he just blew up in anger at his boss. And it was over. It's, it's hard to tame the tongue. It's, it's impossible, really. Our tongue has tremendous power, the Bible's saying here. So we need to keep it, keep it in check because we're going to eat its fruit. It's going to be tasty, juicy fruit or mealy, rotten fruit. We're going to eat it one way or the other. And so we need to be careful with how we use it. Our tongue is a small thing, but it can ignite a huge fire in our lives and can't be tamed. So we have to keep it in check. James goes on to provide some very helpful perspective on how to choose what we say. How do we? Okay, so we're in a pressure packed situation. How, how do we find the wisdom and the strength and the help we need not to say something that is going to blow it up? How do we do that? How do, how do we choose words that minimize pressure? Our thoughts and our emotions are what fuel our words. And this begins in our heart. So we need to start by screening our thoughts and guarding our heart. We're going to look more at this next week when we dig into the source of conflict. James, <clears throat> we're, we're at the end of chapter 3, and when you turn the page and go into chapter 4 in James, he shows us the real source of conflict. So we're going to deal with that next week. But for today, let's continue reading and seeing what he says about uh, handling our, our words. 13 through 17. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is an interesting word, and it has, it's, it's kind of like a word picture in the Greek that it was originally written in. It's, it's a word picture, and it it shows, it's, the idea is you bring something that's incredibly powerful and you bring it under control to use it for the good that it can do. That, that's the picture here. So wisdom is meek in that it's not weak, but it takes the power of whatever's available and uses it for the good of those around you. That's, that's what it means here. If you have, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, that's, that's where it starts in there. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly and spiritual demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder 
and every vile practice. So uh, things blow up. <laughs> Disorder. They're, they're blowing apart. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness, righteousness is sown in those who make peace, by those who make peace. So what this means is we need to screen our thoughts before we speak. We need to filter out jealousy and selfish ambition. First, pray. Ask God for help. Ask him to help you know when to open your mouth and when to keep it closed. Screening our thoughts begins by praying in the moment. We're a mixed bag of motives. You know, there's, there's part of us in every situation where we want what we want out of that situation. We think we deserve it. And so we have to filter out the bitter jealousy and the selfish ambition in order to say what we need to say. I need God's help for that. To make progress with our speech, we must ask God for help to know when to open our mouth and when to keep it closed. I, I often, uh, Psalm 19.14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, God, my rock and my redeemer. I, I say that to myself a lot. <laughs> I use a lot of words. I don't know if you've noticed, but I use a lot of words. <laughs> I'm up here and I'm asking God, God, filter out the stuff that's not going to be helpful for people. This is in conversations. I'm in a pressure-packed conversation, maybe on the phone or I'm sitting across the table from somebody. God, help me to say what what would be a real blessing to them, what would build them up, not tear them down. Help, help me to handle this, this anger in a way that really helps the people around me. And when, when we do open our mouths, when he does give us, well, actually God has made us so that we're, we're free to say whatever we want. But we're going to, pay one way or the other based on what we do say. And so we want to build. As we pray and ask God for help, we must also reject bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. That's what I've been talking about. You can see the passage on the screen that talks about this. If we don't reject the wrong thoughts about people and our circumstances, James describes the outcome. Our hearts will be filled with bitter jealousy toward others. That this, this word is jealousy has this energy to it, this heat. It, it literally means zeal, this zeal to get what we want from somebody, to get what somebody else has, really. It's powerful. It drives us to resentment and hurtful words. We'll also be driven by selfish ambition. When I let jealousy fester in my heart, when I let the, the bitter jealousy begin to sink in and fester and create poison in my heart, I try to get my way with my words. I try to extract what I want from the people around me. This is my selfish ambition. This is what's happening in this passage. If we lock onto the goal of winning an argument, 
or getting our own way, we boast. That's what it says here. Um, do not boast and, and do not be false to the truth. That's, that's one thing that happens. You know, you're in an argument. You want to win. You lock on winning. You lock, i got to get my way. And you exaggerate. You blow things out of proportion. And then, if you want to make the relationship right again, you've got to go back and eat those words. Yeah, I got carried away. That was wrong. That was more than carried away. That was a lie. I need you to forgive me for that. So, th- this is what happens if we just let it go. These are our native strategies. They're, they're my native strategies. And this is the, the path. This is the train track that we go on. This is the direction. James says to reject these things. If we find ourselves doing them, confess them and seek forgiveness. And then replace foolish words with godly wisdom. This is what James describes in verse 17 and 18, godly wisdom. But the wisdom from above is first pure. And the word pure means unmixed, like metal, pure metal, pure gold. So it's unmixed with dross. So it has one goal, the goal to benefit. Pure words have the goal to please God and build others up. That's what he's referring to here. Then peaceable, words that promote peace. We can only control our side. Romans 12:18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We, we can only control what we say. And so we're, we're choosing because we have a heart to please God. We're choosing to use words that are peaceable and gentle, not harsh, open to reason. It's easy to be unreasonable under pressure, isn't it? Just to let it fly and share what be the wisdom that comes from God is reasonable. It's open to reason. There's give and take. It's full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And here, here's the, the result. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we experience the benefit of righteousness as we choose wisdom from above. Under pressure, either the stress at work, the tension in our family relationships and friendships, when our finances are tight and we're trying to work out the budget, we, we need God's perspective and wisdom. We need his help. Bitter envy, bitter jealousy, and selfishness increase the pressure. However, God's wisdom calms it. It decreases the pressure and allows us to move forward with clarity and integrity. We have everyday opportunities to practice this. Every day we, have, we, we need to use words every day. I haven't gone through a day lately where I didn't say anything. So we, we can practice this. Somebody at work blows up on you in anger. Your knee jerk is who do you think you are and go back at them. We can pray. Ask God for help. 
reject jealousy and selfish ambition, which we need God's help to do, and then ask God for wisdom in how to respond. That can happen very quickly as we walk through this. At the dinner table, maybe somebody shares a problem that they faced during the day, and you're... uh, You've got your own problems you're sorting out and you're working through and you're, you know, and and they share their problem and you're thinking, you know, anybody knows how to solve that problem. What are you in kindergarten? And you look across the table and they actually are in kindergarten, (laughs) possibly. Um, In our church, that's probably the case. (laughs) Um, But that's judgment. You know what? Judgment always closes people up. When you respond in a judgmental attitude with a judgmental word, it, it closes them up. better way to respond is, well, uh, Lord, help me to say what would help them right now. And I, I, I bet that that really was hard to work through with the problem that you're dealing with. That sounds difficult. How did that make you feel? What went on there? This is peaceable. Just have, trying to draw them out, listening to them. That's peaceable. That's from God. Many situations arise like this every day in the middle of the pressure. We need God's help to reject our native reflexes and replace them with words that are pleasing to him. So when we open our mouth, we can bless and not start fires that will burn us and those around us. As I wrap up this morning, I'd like to ask you to think through how you're going to respond uh, to Scripture this morning. Uh, Is there a next step that you'd like like to take? Um, Here are some suggestions I've made on next steps you could take today. Uh, First, my next step today is to screen my thoughts this week by... You can look back at the suggestions on the handout there. Uh, Maybe God's spoken to you about how to respond in a specific situation. So I'm going to screen my thoughts this week. That's a step. Second, ask God to show me a situation where I increase the pressure with my words. Go back and clear it up. Eat those words. Eat them. It's not going to taste good, but it's going to be really healthy for the relationship. If you go ahead back and make it right. And then take the time to read James 4, 1 through 10 this week. And we'll be back next Sunday to look at the source, the real source of conflict and where it comes from. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that, that is so helpful to sort out how to live life from your perspective, from the wisdom that comes from you. And I pray, God, that as we uh, respond to your word, as we have listened to this message and now are considering what to do with it, I pray that you help us to take the steps that would please you and honor you and bring glory to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.